Combo Nation, we're really here, man. Mike, check, can they hear us? Good. <laughs> Combo Nation, what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 278 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. I think Apple Podcasts made some changes. Um, It might be a follow button now. So if it's a follow button, punch down on that follow button. Rate and review the show wherever you listen to Combo's Court and tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. Share this episode on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Share it on your IG stories and tag me at 12combo on Instagram. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Today's show Denver Nuggets reporter and analyst for Altitude Sports, Chris Dempsey, joins in to talk Denver Nuggets basketball and the NBA playoffs. A fantastic conversation with Chris. You could find Chris on Twitter at Chris A. Dempsey. That's C-H-R-I-S-A-D-E-M-P-S-E-Y. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Denver Nuggets reporter and analyst for Altitude Sports. Welcome to Combo's Court, man. How are you feeling today? Uh, I'm feeling fantastic. We've got the NBA playoffs going on, talking more basketball on this podcast. It's, 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 a, it's a beautiful day. Most definitely. We're going to talk Nuggets basketball, but they tell me I don't talk enough about Trey Young. And uh, when you shimmy before you take the shot, I mean, that means <laughs> you're comfortable. That's all I can tell you. It means you're comfortable. It, it also means where was the defense? <laughs> That's happened. true. That's true. <laughs> Literally out there shimmying on the basketball court. You know, what's funny about these playoffs. There's just been these moments in these playoffs where, and I'm old enough, like you just never had this kind of stuff. I mean, and, and, and the players have flair, but there's also just a little more looseness to these playoffs than there really has been in the past. And so you can have these moments where you can throw an alley-oop off the backboard to your friend. You can win a game off of an alley-oop. You can shimmy shake before you make a three-point shot. And so it, it's interesting uh, how, how these playoffs are evolving. What do you think it means for Trey Young if they actually win a championship this year? Boy, wow. <laughs> for him, that would be amazing for him. You know, I, I, I loved him coming out. Uh, of Oklahoma and I, I thought when I when I watched him at Oklahoma and I'm sitting in Big 12 country here um, in, in, in Denver um, I thought about the only thing that he needed to do like really in a real way was make sure his shot selection was a better shot shot, uh, shot selection than he had at Oklahoma and if he could do that obviously he had range out to forever um, and right. then he could get in the lane and wreak a lot of havoc with defenses. But um, just the ins and out of how he was going to score on a game-to-game basis in the NBA, I thought was just his biggest adjustment. And he's made that, and he scores all three levels. And now he runs this offense, and they put a great team around him. I, I think it's great for him because he took a lot of hits in the Luka versus Trey Young um, yep. you know, debate you know, on, on draft night. Uh, and so for him, he's, you know, this, is his, this is his coming out party, and he looks great. 
Yeah, efficiency, I guess, was a concern, and defense was always the concern. But the yeah. Hawks just the Hawks just built around him in such a great way, and he's really competing. Like we've seen him, you know, bumping up against Giannis, making it difficult for him at times. Um, I don't know if Giannis just missed that shot or Trey made it more <laughs> difficult for him. But I mean, they definitely built around Trey in the right way. Something that Portland didn't do around Dame Lillard. You know, yeah. the Hawks did such a great job, and Nate McMillan is just fantastic in getting his players to play hard. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting about you're right about that. And you have these uh, pick and roll guards. These guards are so good in that, in that action. And I, I think we're in this NBA final four, we're seeing a couple of instances of this, right? We're seeing the Phoenix suns high pick and roll all the options, right? So you got Deandre Ayton at the rim, you have bridges and Jay Crowder in the corners, you have whatever you want. And then you have the ball handler Booker or CP three who can just do whatever they want as well. And Atlanta, the same thing, Trey young, first option, um, herder, Gallo, Bogdanovich, anybody you want out there on the three-point line, Clint Capella, John Collins at the rim. And I think you could probably do this in Portland. You could do this in Portland. And it's going to, I think, for them, take a little uh, – I was going to take a, a rethink, but it's also going to take a little bit of an adjustment from the standpoint of a Damian Lillard and or a C.J. McCollum where the shots flow so much through those two um, that that now you really have with, with the, in the games they beat the Nuggets in the in the playoffs in, in in that first round playoff series were the games where they had their highest assist totals, and it was just this idea that your team is more dynamic and you can still score thirty points in in, in this game, mm-hmm. and I don't think Portland is like that on a regular basis, and so they, that's just what these NBA playoffs I think are teaching you. Um, yeah, you can have your star, you can be the ball handler, but if you have dynamic players around him, shooters, whatever. Um, you can now you've set yourself up to to really be successful. Okay, let's shift to Denver basketball. And I want to shift to the point of the season where Aaron Gordon was there and Jamal Murray was still healthy because I believe they were probably the best team in the NBA at that point. What did you see during that time period? And do you believe it could get back to that? Because I believe it can. And I do believe they are. I do believe the Nuggets are contenders moving forward. Yeah, and, and, and Coach Michael Malone spoke to this. He said this in, in one of his late-season press conferences uh, that at that point in time, he looked uh, – as a matter of fact, they went to L.A. and beat the Clippers in L.A. with, with that new cast of characters. And he said to himself at that time, I, I, this is, we're legit. Like, we, we're, we're really legit. And I do believe it can get back to that. I am hopeful that that can be next year. Um, but – Listen, I mean, Jamal coming off the ACL and even when you come back off the ACL, he's not going to be the Jamal. of before. He's got to work his way back up to that, probably uh, to whatever degree. And so because he has to, how long then will it take the Nuggets to get back to the level that they, they that they were at right there in the few days after the trade deadline when it looked like they were really going to be a contender um, in this league? So I do believe it can get back to that. Um you know, it was just devastating. The devastating, it's devastating for Jamal and the timing for the Nuggets was devastating because you're in the midst of a season that started late. So he got injured late. So that means he's not going to come back into next season until really late. And you have contract situations and, and, you know, so it just threw everything, I think, into a big state of flux. And for this organization, it's going to be tough. Uh, but if they are able to keep these pieces together, I, I think that, yeah, I, they, I think they can get right back to that because 
you'll have up and coming players, the Marcus Howards of the world. Um, I think Zeke Naji will play uh, a role in terms of being a, a, a high level rotation player for them as well. Um, and, and so they'll, they, 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 they'll have the depth, um, but will your core be as high level as it, as it was in those moments after the trade deadline? I would say that Monte would probably start at the point guard next year, right? Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, I, you know, I think yeah, probably the way they played it this year, um, if Composo's going really, really well, maybe they start him. If Monte, if he's not, then and Monte is, then maybe they start him. So I, I think they'll puzzle piece that together uh, with, with between those two. And, you know, Composo gives you, uh, you know, you know, he, he was really amazing for, for the Nuggets this year, just from the standpoint of, I don't think we here understood what he was going to bring. And then you started to get the reports. As a matter of fact, Jamal Murray was one of the players early on in training camp who said, my goodness, defensively, this guy doesn't give an inch. And, you know, it's, they didn't know that about him. What we knew was the highlights. We knew he had the great court vision, the ability to make any pass on the court, make it right on time and on target uh, to any player uh, on the court. Um, his offense, I think, improved over the course of the season. His three-point shooting um, improved over the course of the season. I think he'll be a much improved player in those areas uh, beginning next season. He'll just be more comfortable, uh, you know, being in, in, in the system and um, being settled in Colorado and in America, to be honest with you. So, um, And then you have Monte Morris, who just had these great moments where – I mean, he was scoring a ton. Um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't make mistakes with the basketball, so his assist to turnover ratio is always off the charts. And I think he just builds upon that. So yeah, I mean, I, I think probably the leader in the clubhouse would be Monte Morris, is starting um, at the point guard uh, for next season. Uh, and then if he doesn't have it for a week, they'll, they'll just slot you know Faku Campazo in and, and just mix and match him. Yeah, it's interesting with Jamal Murray because he wasn't quite bubble Murray, but he was having his best full regular season at the moment. Like it was his first time yeah. scoring 20 plus points a game and his efficiency was really high. Just terrible timing. Yeah, it really was. And you're right. I mean, just the shooting was alone. I mean, he was up over, he was up around 40% from the three point line. Yeah. Um, he just, everything was, I, I, I described this to somebody else. I said, he was, um, uh, he was having his Neo moment. So for anybody who's seen the Matrix, and that the first time that the, the the bullets slow down for Neo, and he just catches one in the air. It's like, oh, I got this now. This is what I think Jamal Murray was happening. What was happening with him uh, this season was just, it didn't matter what the situation was. It didn't matter what the defense was presenting him. Um, he had answers for that. He had counters for that. And then he had the shooting, the efficiency. And then the synergy between him and Nikola Jokic out there on the basketball court, it just, it, there was nothing that they couldn't handle. And um, I, I think they'll get back to them. The, the synergy is just not going to go away. You know, the, uh, Jamal Murray getting back to the shot making, the, the efficiency with the shooting um, is, I think, the biggest, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest readjustment um, to where he was, you know, coming off of uh, what, how he was playing uh, at the time that he got injured. Yeah, an underrated season for Jamal Murray. Hopefully he has a speedy recovery. I wanted to shift to MPJ because I was always really high on MPJ for a long time now, and he continues to make leaps. How much of a concern is the back for him, and how is his relationship with Michael Malone? Because I think that means everything. Because if both of those things go well, I really do believe, as I said before, Denver is legit title contenders with the MVP-level Jokic and Jamal Murray coming back. Yeah. And Michael Porter Jr. really is the key. Um, I, yeah. you know, they, they took great pains to say at the end of the season when uh, he was going through the back issues against the Phoenix Suns and that, in their playoff series, 
that this was in no way related to the back issues that, you know, were a problem with basically kept him from being drafted by a lot of teams um, or early in the, uh, in the lottery. And so um, I'm not looking for that to be a real issue for, for him. If, if it's not that, then I, I think he'll come back healthy next season and he'll be fine. Um, he just was not fine against the play against the Phoenix Suns. He just wasn't. And, and um, it showed in his inability to be efficient and, and to do what he wanted to do movement wise out there on the court. But when he's at his best, this is just one of the most impressive shooter scorers in the NBA. Just, he just is. And he went through about a 20 game stretch in the second half of the season where he was literally shooting over 50% from the three point line. This was just every single night. Yeah. He was knocking in threes as if they were free throws. And, I think that over the course of a season, I think he can be, I think he can scrape right around. I think he, I think in a great season, he can scrape right around 45% from the three point line. I, I just think he can, I think he's just that great a shooter. And, um, but he's got other things that he needs to, to attend to in terms of his offensive game as a catch and shoot player. He's as good as there is. Um, now if, if you make him put the ball on the, on the, on the deck and try to get him to the rim, starts to get a little shakier in the open court with the ball handling starts to get a little shakier. So ball handling is going to be uh, something that he, he's going to have to get tightened down, which is easy to tighten down. You just get in the, get on the court and, and, and get that, um, in, in a better space. Um, I, I just think his ability to, um, have counters for what defenses are doing to him will grow um, uh, over time. He hasn't seen everything and the playoffs showed him some other things that he hadn't seen. And so now he's got some of that experience under his belt. Um, and then defensively, I think he'll continue to grow as well. I thought he made pretty good strides to, as a, as a defensive player and quite frankly, as a weak side shot blocker, oh, he was really good. I mean, he could yeah. help side, um, block a lot of shots. So, uh, he, he was, he was good there. So he's got, so much room to grow it's scary to believe yeah. what, where he could be when he yeah. gets himself into the into into the the correct space so um yeah i mean when you factor in murray Jokic, and mpj that's going to be a trio that should be about as good as most any trio um in the nba when they're all on top of their games most definitely uh, jamal murray had a tweet about injuries in general, saying the healthiest team would win. And that's usually the case, but I think it is more so this year. We've seen the LeBron's tweet. He was really upset about everything that was going on. It does feel like there's a lot more star injuries. It really does. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And why do you think this, this has happened? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there have been a lot of injuries to a lot of players in these playoffs. And I, quite frankly, uh, it's my opinion, I think it is as a direct result of how dense the schedule was. How, I mean, these teams are playing every other night. The Nuggets played every other night for two straight months. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, okay. I mean, the, the, the toll that that takes on an athlete's body, I don't care how great a condition you're in, how much the, tra the training, like the advances in technology, the human body can only take so much. And I, I think we're seeing a lot of that, especially with some of the soft tissue injuries, some of just wear and tear stuff. All of a sudden you got plantar fasciitis. All of a sudden you have like these things that are just, you know, um, um, injuries of erosion over time. Yeah. I think we, I think we see, we've seen as many of those this season as we have in any season. And I think that, you know, it, it's had an, it's had a, I don't want to say a negative impact on the playoffs, but it's had an impact on the playoffs. 
maybe not a negative one because the stories, you know, the Phoenix Suns playing so well is a great story. Trey Young playing so well and the Hawks playing so is a great story. Milwaukee making the, the conference files for the first time in forever is a great story. LA Clippers making it for the first time ever is a great story. And so there are still great stories and a lot of fun basketball, but my goodness, man. I mean, if, if James Harden is, is fully healthy, you know, um, if, you know, they're, they're just individuals that that went down that really impacted the way these playoffs have played out. Um, and I think that started in the regular season. Um, I think we could all agree that style of play in the regular season is a lot different than style of play in the playoffs. Do you think there's a solution to get those styles a little bit more on the same level? You mean from uh, in, in terms of uh, the games played or? Yeah, no, in terms of, I think physicality, I think physicality oh, yeah. changes, yeah, you know, a lot during the regular season than it does in the postseason. Do you think there's a way, I mean, and obviously the intensity level is way higher. I think that, you know, maybe 10, 20 years ago that the style of play was a little bit more similar between playoffs and regular season. I think there's more divergence now. Yeah, I mean, there is. And, and honestly, I think it's, I think we're going to end up being um, a little similar just in the opposite direction where you're going to see the playoffs really just start to open up and look a little bit more like these regular season games. I, I think we're starting to see, I mean, the scores in some of these playoff games have been ridiculous. I mean, just they've been out yeah. you know, teams getting to the, the, the mid one teens and then to the one twenties. And I mean, that's just, that was unheard of in, in the past. I mean, it was defense lockdown. Nobody played more than about eight players in, in any game. And I think we're starting to see the rotations being stretched out to nine and 10 players. We're starting to see a lot more offense in the playoffs in a way that we just haven't seen that um, maybe ever in, in the history of this league. I'm just it's certainly not as consistent through each level and consistent through, um, you know, teams one through eight in each conference um, in, in the playoffs. And so, yeah, I just think that the rule changes are going to make it so that the play starts to resemble the regular season. You can't um, get into a lot of uh, rough stuff uh, without it really yeah. – costing you in a technical uh, technical foul sense or flagrant foul sense or you know those kinds of things and so you're going to get guys like Trey Young and um you know Donovan Mitchell and uh you know the Booker and CP3 and they can just carve up and dissect a defense because you can't really put hands on them if you can't put hands on them these guys are as deadly as there is at scoring the basketball and then finding other guys who can score and that's just the result of that is just going to be higher scores. And then, then you know, the emphasis in three-point shooting. I mean, uh, you know, these teams, all these teams in the Final Four are, are great three-point shooting teams. I mean, Milwaukee hasn't shot it great, but they are a really good three-point shooting team. The Clippers spent yeah. the bulk of the season being one of the top two or three best three-point shooting teams, one through 12 in the roster. Um, the Phoenix Suns have a number of players that can knock in three-point shots. So um, I just think the rules – the, the, the talent and skill level of these players and then the shooting, I, I think we're going to start seeing these this be the new normal for the playoffs. So it does look like they're going to tinker with the unnatural shooting motion next year. Yeah. Those are what the reports are saying. What effect do you think that'll have on the game? Well, I mean, I, I think these offensive players are just so good at adjusting. They'll adjust to it. You know, I mean, they'll mm -hmm. take advantage of whatever you allow them to take advantage of. Right, you know, right. That's how good they are. And so – if at this point in time they, they, you, you're, you're taking something and removing it from their bag, they'll just add something else to the bag and they'll be, uh, you know, they'll be able to take advantage of that. And so, I mean, these, 
you know, especially these players who are experts at getting themselves to the free throw line, it's usually not just one way they're able to do it. You know, they're, you know, they're, they have a lot of little tricks in their bag that they are able to right. get themselves to the free throw line. And so they'll figure it out. Um, I, I, I think um, it's, 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 it's necessary to get rid of some of this stuff. It is. Um, these players are too good. They know it. You know, they're, they're too, they're, you're good enough where you don't need to do unnecessary things in order to get, uh, to where you want to be or do, uh, on a basketball court. And so um, I think the talent, it'll just allow the talent to shine through. And, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe it will give the defense just a little bit of an, okay, now, you know, I, they, they can feel like they can do something out there to actually prevent some scoring. But I just think the talent of the, uh, in the schemes out there are just too good. Yeah, it's really going to come down to how they call it. What's unnatural, what's natural. That's really yeah. what it's going to be. It's dependent on. Um, yeah, so yeah. some coaching movement before we get out of here. It looks like Jason Kidd eventually will be the Mavs. I might be saying that a little bit early. The Mavs head coach, I'm, by the time this podcast comes out, he <laughs> might be the head coach of the Mavericks. Uh, it seemed like, and I don't have any inside information on this, it seemed like Rick Carlisle had a coaching job lined up when he uh, <laughs> left the Mavericks, right? <laughs> it did seem like that. I mean, just immediately he's with the Indiana Pacers. And it's, it's, it's so funny to me because, I mean, I, you know, I, I go back to when he was the coach. To me, uh, I remember when he was the coach of the Detroit Pistons a long time ago, and um, he gets like yeah. 250 win seasons. They fire him anyway. Um, they hire Larry Brown, and they end up winning the NBA title. But he got Detroit to a space. Um, and then uh, with the Indiana Pacers, he was a really, really good coach with them too. And so when his name was connected with the Pacers again, I had to just remember. I said, well, he was the coach of the Pacers, right? I just had to just remember that he was. Um, yeah. yeah, it seemed like he was ready, A, to go from Dallas. Like that maybe that had run his course certainly with him. And um, it seemed that he knew where he wanted to go. I mean, Indiana, uh, it didn't work out with the, uh, with the, with the head coach last year, the first year head coach. Um, and yeah. you know, that it was a, a marriage made back in heaven. I mean, he had good seasons there and I, I would expect that he'll have more success in Indiana again. Chris, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Chris A. Dempsey. Um, I tweet kind of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And some in-game yeah, yeah. analysis. Some in-game yeah, analysis. Yeah, game analysis, just opinions and all that kind of stuff, especially when the Nuggets are – so when the Nuggets are playing, a lot of game analysis, a lot of game film, that kind of stuff, which I also do um, on my Instagram account, which is also Chris A. Dempsey. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's also Chris A. Dempsey. I just – changed the uh the, the handle on that um okay. so chris a dempsey both ways and um uh, a lot of basketball analysis um and instagram i you you, you might you, you might see my kid too on instagram but okay okay <laughs> but that's where she that's where you can find me i post my son on instagram too it's all good man it's all good <laughs> chris thanks so much for taking the time really appreciate you you're always welcome back on the show and talk soon andrew i appreciate being on thank you i would love to come back anytime Anytime. Talk soon. There it is. Another episode of Combos Court is in the books. Thank you to everyone who listens to the show across the globe. And big shouts to Chris for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, I think it's actually a follow button now. So punch down on that. Rate and review the show wherever you listen to Combos Court. And share this episode with a friend, man. Share it on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, 
share it on your IG stories and tag me at one two combo on Instagram. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Another great way to support is to join in as a Combos Court Patreon member. I'll leave a link in the description for the Combos Court Patreon page. Be on the lookout for episode 269. Combo out.